Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. It's made possible in part by contributions from podcast listeners. Please consider making a contribution by going to the Donate Now tab at mpbonline.org. Thanks for your financial support. Welcome to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio, where each week we bring you an in-depth conversation with a creative Mississippian. I'm your host, Lauren Rhodes, Director of Grants at the Mississippi Arts Commission, and today I'm talking with Gloria Gibson-Suggs. Gloria is a visual artist whose work seeks to preserve heritage and cultural pride. A native and resident of Marshall County, Gloria was named this year's South Art State Fellow of Mississippi. After several accidents brought her distinguished 20-plus year career in education to a halt, Gloria turned to art in her recovery. Her work depicts people, places, and things from the Civil War, Depression, and desegregation eras as passed down through folklore, written and oral history, photographs, and her own experience. Gloria is also a musician and the author of several books of fiction and poetry. Welcome, Gloria. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, uh, Lauren, for inviting me. Well, I want to start from the beginning because you, you've lived such an interesting life and you have such an interesting history. You're from Marshall County and you live there today. Can you tell us a little bit about growing up there and what's special to you about Marshall County and the place where you're from? Well, I grew up in, uh, I guess you would call it the northeast part of Marshall County, a little town called Slayton, Mississippi, Okay. right off Highway 72, and at the end of uh, Slayton Road, uh, so many miles from uh, Mount Pleasant, and then going south is so many miles from Edway and uh, uh, Hudsonville, what used to be called Hudsonville Depot. Okay. And the reason why I mentioned those towns, because you said... You wanted to see how I grew up. It was just like being in a big rural town between those towns mm. that I call off. So even though we lived in the rural, it wasn't like we were isolated. Uh, Hudsonville Depot was a busy town uh, in the 30s and 40s. Uh, in fact, it played a big part during the Civil War. Okay. Uh it may or would have been sort of like the county seat of Marshall County if uh, the yellow fever epidemic hmm. and all of that hadn't taken place. Uh, now, I say I'm from Hollis Springs now because that's the mayor route. Okay. Uh, but I live in Chulahoma, Mississippi now. I'm married to a person who used to live 36 miles from me, but I didn't meet him until... I went to college. Oh, my gosh. And where did you go to college? <laughs> I went to Russ College Okay. in Hollis Springs, Mississippi. So after, after we married, uh, he was in the service and all of that. But during that time, I taught school in Clarksdale, Mississippi. Okay. For two years in Memphis, Tennessee, found me. They needed a, a biology teacher, a science teacher. So that's how I left uh, Clarksdale and uh, lived in Memphis for 20 years. And you come from a big family. Right. I'm the 17th uh, of, uh, I mean, I'm the 
11 of 17 children. Oh, my goodness. And uh, it's kind of strange because when somebody asks me how many generations I am out of slavery, sometimes I'll say four and sometimes I'll say three. Hmm. Because if you look at the distance between a generation, I would be the fourth generation. But uh, technically, since all of us in the same family, I would be the third third generation. Oh, wow. But I like to stay at the fourth because my older sisters and brothers had left home by the time I got here. Okay. So we used to call them uncles, aunts, when they would come to visit. Well, and were you artistic? Did you were, was your family artistic? And as a child, did you, were you inclined towards the arts in any way? Uh, no, my mother could make our own clothes patterns. She was a master quilter, which she is used, extremely creative, right? Yeah. Extremely creative, and uh, all of that. Now, I was good at singing and uh, writing and stuff like that. But I never thought I would do art. Now, I had to do art as a biology student. You had to draw, you, you know, the specimen and all of that. Right. But I was just doing it for, for an A. Mm-hmm. Made sure I got an A. And so I didn't know that uh, I could do art to the level that I'm doing it now until after uh, 1985. Uh, I had a traumatic uh uh, head injury, uh, mm. and after that, I couldn't work in a classroom or anywhere else for so many years, and had to go through a lot of physical therapy. And uh, my children saw me doing work with crayon, hmm. and so they brought me a big box of crayon and art paper, and they say, "Ma, instead of you giving away your art." as birthday presents and Christmas presents, why don't you go to one of the festivals? And I say, well, I'm in no shape to go out <laughs> to go out to anything like that. So they helped me uh, go, and the first time I went, you know, I didn't have the fancy boards where you put your prints on mm-hmm. and stuff like that. My originals was rolled up, and uh, my son put them all in milk cartons. Hmm. And I took them to uh, several of the local uh, festivals. Now, I call it local festivals because we were living in Memphis then. Okay. In Germantown, Pink Palace, and uh, different places, Senatobia, Corinth, Mississippi, and all. And people was just coming in, getting them out of the thing, helping me, sort them out. You know, they they wouldn't take them without letting me know what they got because I couldn't help them put the rubber band around Mm -hmm. buying everything I had. Oh, wow. Even went to Chicago. Same way. So I said, well, maybe they feel sorry for me. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was, I mean, just terrible. You you know, people would have to help me get up. Mm. And and so then I got uh, the strength and started really doing them good, you know, getting them framed professionally and all of that, and they were still buying them, and they were much higher at that time. And what was the first, what was the first thought that made you want to pick up the crayon and, and just decide that you wanted to start drawing? What? I say, well, I know I can't just lay here. Mm. 
because I wasn't old enough to retire and and didn't have enough years in. Uh, I couldn't walk in a classroom because of my condition. <clears throat> and so I said, well, I used to do something as a child. I used to love to, what, what they call doll. Okay. You know, make little pictures and stuff with crayon. Okay. So I started doing it, and people come by. You know, they look at you one-sided and uh, would like what they saw. And so from that point on, I pull out from my child. I say, well, if I'm going to use the crayon and the pen and pencil, I'm going to make sure that I do not do anything that will frighten a child. Because huh. I'm going to use their uh, like the material, m- yeah, yeah. implements, uh, to do my work. Now, some people may say, well, you, you're reaching for a child because you want to dance around the, the rough stuff that happened between the Civil War and the late 1960s. No, it's there. A child will see it, but a child, if, if they have food, clothing, shelter, love, compassion coming from the adults, they don't see all of the baggage that most of the the adults was carrying around. So I I paint all my faces not to show race because a child sees joy. Hmm. So I use the color mahogany. Okay. For all my faces. And that mahogany, believe it or not, take different shades of mahogany. I noticed that when uh-huh. I was looking at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It takes different shades because a child sees joy in something that's not harming them or something that's helping them to get through life. You know, they aren't starving, they aren't being rejected, and they aren't being hurt at that particular time. And so that's the reason why I went from that particular point, Uh, because that was a nourishing type thing. It helped me through the therapy I needed to keep from putting myself in deep depression mm-hmm. or pity pot uh, type mode mm-hmm. and uh, things of that nature. So people, uh, plus the children, would come up and ask me about my work, and that helped me to sharpen what I was doing. I couldn't just draw it a one-dimensional look. I had to make it look like an actual picture with depth. I'm not saying the face is perfect and stuff like that. So I call my style, where my style is, primitive impressionism. Okay. Primitive impressionism. Uh Did you coin that term or is that an artistic style that... Uh, No, that's a style for an artist that's Mm self-taught or do, uh, do things from a child's standpoint. It doesn't mean that it's uh, immature or anything. It's just a different uh, expression. Right, right. I have uh, a friend who's who's self-taught as well, and she she calls herself God-taught. Right, right. Which I like. <coughs> right. Do you think that your career as an educator, because you spent many, you spent more than two decades in a classroom, correct? Mm-hmm. Do you think that influenced your or made you more? empathetic to children's perspective and it, considering it may that. have it may have but but I look at look at it like this uh, I mean I was everything from coordinator head teacher master teacher 
God put me up way high in education. And then when I received the head injury, I came all the way down. It was just like one big door. I mean, they were flying me around, paying me for every workshop and everything else I was doing outside the classroom. And I think what he did, he said, okay, you got this far up. I'm going to bring you all the way down, and I'm going to see if you can start over again. Wow. He closed one door, and he opened up a door I had always dreamed about just going straight singing, uh, uh, writing. I never thought about art, but I thought about just singing and writing. So when he did that, I had to make quick money. You know, I sing gospel. And they pay you, they may bring you a cake or something if they didn't have the money. But if a church invited you, you knew you were going to get a fee. Mm -hmm. But that was just that one fee. It wasn't anything like a continuation of money coming in from my standpoint. Now, my husband always worked, but we always lived off of two income. And and that's the reason why I said God closed one big door and he opened three because now I can do those three things together and I just have the joy of uh, people appreciating my work. I'm Lauren Rhodes. You are listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The Arts Hour is a co-production of the Mississippi Arts Commission and MPB Think Radio. You can also listen to the show on Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at 5. To have access to all Arts Hour interviews, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. If you ever miss one of our locally produced shows or want to simply hear it again, you can find what you need at mpbonline.org or download our podcast app to your smartphone. MPB programming is on your schedule at mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. I'm Lauren Rhodes, Director of Grants at the Mississippi Arts Commission. Today, I'm talking with artist and South Art State Fellow Gloria Gibson Suggs. So before the break, we were talking about your your artistic style, and I'd like to to get a little more in-depth about the kinds of scenes that inspire your visual art. Can you talk a little bit about what what you like to draw and what inspires you? Well, in our area, uh, that we the area that we grew up in, it used to be old plantation houses, uh, slave houses, and old stores that was going down. All of them, uh, well, in fact. Just about everyone is gone. Oh, wow. So in my work, my art, my music, and my writing, I try to bring up, preserve the memory of those places, people, places, and things that live within that era. So I draw houses, uh, old things in houses. I do inside uh drawings as well as outside. 
and activities like reunions and things of that nature. Uh, very fascinating, but to me it was sort of like a lost art form, mm-hmm. even in the building of the old uh, uh, board houses. It's a word be- before board. I think they call them clapboards, mm-hmm. houses, and the hardwood floors, and every room had a, in the big houses, like the plantation houses, had six fireplaces. Six, six wow. Six fireplaces. And the house that I'm talking about, they call it a plantation house. I, I mean, a planter's house. Hmm. Uh, that was one that was probably the next level to the plantation owner. And all of the houses had open window, large windows, mm-hmm. uh, 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 large breezeways because they didn't have air conditioning and stuff like that. Right. And they were built up off the ground. It was something about them being built up off the ground that made the air really circulate. And so are you drawing from memory or do you have photographs too? Uh, uh, Where do these scenes come from? I'm coming from memory, photographs, folklore, Mm. and they can tell some tall tales about (laughs) houses and stuff that I didn't see. But like I said, I used to stutter, so I was a good listener uh, to what all went on in these houses. But but part of the stuff that I write about, I, I actually participated because the transition from from what people call being in the modern age mm-hmm. was much different in the place where the rural people had to grow up. Right. The transition was not as swift. Uh, could I share with you a poem that talks about yes, I, I, one of these places? Please do. Please do. It's called Memories Windblown. Stripped of shutters, tin and paint, and tilting to the left as I lose my upward reach. But oh, how I remember those days of yesteryear. When I was in my glory and a major road passed by here. Memories windblown? No, people feel my rooms and stairs. For it was here they gathered in birth, death, song, and prayer. Yes, my walls knew happy times and loneliness I never felt. I enjoyed the hustle and bustle of people and the sounds they always dealt. Memories windblown? Yes, that's what I am today. The sounds have gone. So have the people, oh, so very far away. Gone in all directions. Will they ever return? I hope so, for it is sad to be just memories windblown. Thank you so much for that. Um, And you said you were reading it, but it looked like you were saying it from memory. Well, some of them I used to know from memory, but I forget it now. 
uh, over time. But this, this this is one that's requested a lot. Not only do I use it for houses, but also for people, and for, for people that no longer exist. So when when did you write that poem and? Can you talk a little bit about your how your poetry and your visual art connect, or are they separate? Do they come to you separately? And well, how? they kind of come uh, whenever I'm doing a poem. I see a picture in my mind mm. uh, that I do. It's sort of like a fusion of the two. And uh, this one I did, and uh, my brother inherited. The place where this old house was, hmm. but uh, at that particular time, it was in such uh, shape that it could not be restored. Because I I took people out there to see if they could, uh, you you know, because because it had the old conventional bottom, you know, standing up yeah. on bricks, so Foundation. everything had sagged, okay. and the house was built out of out of uh, cypress. Oh. A hard wood, and that wood could not be corrected. In other words, mm. the whole thing was either going to go down or not. But I restored it in poetry, yeah. and I also restored it in a picture. So you're reading from your book, Peace Away Crossroads, mm-hmm. which is an incredible blend of fiction. There are um, illustrations mm-hmm. and poetry. What was that? Talk about creating that book and um, what inspired you to decide to write a book and include so many different types of your own creations within it. Well, uh, when I started doing the writing, I think that was in 1983 when my first book called Windblown Memories was uh uh, done. And I was also doing, uh, uh, when I started doing my work, uh, my art, people would say, well, tell me a story. Uh, you know, tell me the story behind it. Mm-hmm. And so I said, now, now if I got to stand, because see, when I give a festival, it's sort of like a reunion. Everybody mm-hmm. back up in the tent to hear, uh, you know, around the, yeah. the the tent to hear the story. So I say, okay, I'm going to make it make it a little bit different in my next book. I'm going to combine the stories with the with the uh, paintings, and that's what made Peace Away Crossroad. So these were stories that you were already telling, right? In fact, most of them I had already told in uh, Windblown Memories. And everybody said, oh, I wish I had seen that, you know, and stuff like that. So I said, well, now I know I can combine them uh, and make the visuals, not too stuff. You want the reader and the viewer to use his or her imagination. And so that's how this came about. And the book follows several generations mm-hmm. of a family. Mm-hmm. And was this family inspired by your own family and the place where you grew up? Is it and it is fiction though, correct? Right, right. Uh, uh, my great, I'm gonna call her my great great grandma from Florence, Alabama. Her name was Queenie. Uh, 
moved from Florence, Alabama, along with an, another group of families right out of slavery that came to Marshall County because some people don't know Marshall County uh, let their slaves go free approximately 25 years before uh, 1864 because they could not afford to give them food, clothing, and shelter. I didn't know it either mm. wow. up, up until about 1980. So all of them moved in chuck wagons up to Marshall County in uh, lieu of finding a place. And when they found the place, you had one or two who had money that they had earned before they left Florence, Alabama. And they co-opted, and they could buy land for 25 cents an acre. And so it was one, one person in the group, well, it was probably about four or five guys that had quite a bit of money. And so each one started... I guess the other one would pay them so much over time. And each each group, I mean, each family would buy 160 acres out of that plantation. Hmm. And that's how that whole settlement uh, around where I grew up uh, between uh, Mount Pleasant, Slayton, and, and uh, Hudsonville Depot, that, that's how they got big blocks of land now I'm I'm talking about my great great grandma, and then the other ones uh, coming down to my great grandpa, he kept kept up his 160 acres, and then his his uh, daughter married a guy from uh, uh, Grand Junction, Tennessee, hmm. that came down and finished buying their 160 acres, and then my father. And his brothers bought portions of the 160 acres from one big plantation. Now, there were some who was in the community who didn't buy land because they couldn't afford the 25 cents per acre over time or not. So they became sharecroppers within the black group and also within the white group Mm -hmm. until they could afford land. And some of them didn't want to buy land. They moved moved up north and, uh, you know, sell uh, in uh, Aurora, Illinois, Chicago, Milwaukee, Detroit, like that. But that was how we happened to sell in Marshall County. Okay. And uh, uh, some people used this thing about, well, wouldn't they try to catch them or anything? Uh, we were next door to to white. Uh, well, I won't say next door, but so many miles, mm-hmm. you know, in the rural. Uh, they were sharecroppers. Some of them was landowners, big landowners. And, and, and some of us was big. Some of my ancestors was big landowners. And, and that's how we stayed stable in Marshall County. So... When I had to leave Memphis, we bought Frank's uh, people's place down in Chulahoma. Now, I don't know too much about, you know, how they sell and and, mm-hmm. and, and everything down there. But their land, uh, like the land up where I raised, 
uh, uh, was raised, you know, have stayed in, in there for, if I count me, I would say the fourth generation. Hi, I'm Lauren Rhodes. You are listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The Arts Hour is a co-production of the Mississippi Arts Commission and MPB Think Radio. You can also listen to the show on Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at 5. To have access to all Arts Hour interviews, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. I'm Lauren Rhodes with the Mississippi Arts Commission, and I am talking with artist Gloria Gibson Suggs about her multifaceted arts career. So we were talking about your book, Peace Away Crossroads, and the history of of the place that you depict in, in Peace Away Crossroads. And so I think let's let's read another poem. Right. And tell us about the poem that you're gonna read too. Right. This this poem uh tells about the people who didn't stay in Marshall County, uh because they wanted to go other places like Chicago, Milwaukee, Detroit. I mean, Detroit, Michigan. And uh, some of them even went over to California later on. Uh, But they were tired of working, and you didn't get paid sometimes for gathering your crops until the fall when you gathered the crops. And so they went to Chicago, or they moved up north. I call it the great part of the Great Migration. Mm -hmm. And I call this poem, Time to Catch That Train. Lend me some money to buy a ticket. I'll pay you back next week. My son is going to Chicago. The train is leaving at 8. His bags are packed and ready to catch a ride to town. He worked in the fields yesterday until just about sundown. Don't worry about your money. He'll send it to you soon. He has a job waiting in Chicago. He got the news at noon. He will stay with relatives in Chicago, just outside of Champaign. They will be moving back home next year on that southbound train. That's fantastic. And there's a describe the the artwork that's accompanying that too. Okay, we have a train waiting. Uh, down down in the place where I told you, Hudsonville Depot, a little town where you could go shop, mail your, uh, had a post office, uh, a little train station where you could go. And you see these people running. In other words, they're running away to try to make a better life mm-hmm. for themselves. And then later on, 
you're going to deal with them all coming back to a reunion. Mm. They, they, they would come back every two years or so to a reunion to the same place that they ran away from. And they say, well, it wasn't that bad after all down here because once they got to Chicago, they found out they had the same problems that they had before they left. Money was not too good. You, hmm. you, you got it every week or every day, but it was still small amounts for you leaving a safe environment and going where you had to pay rent and, right. and, and uh, feed your family and things of that nature. So did you have family and friends that you knew that, that did move north? Oh, great. I sure did. And now all of them, even in their 60s, are moving back. Interesting. Uh, uh, most of them are. Now, wh- what I'm talking about, the generation yeah. that I knew, they are 60 or over, moving back now because uh, some of the doors are closing hmm. up north where they were. You, you know, the business is going out of business and they, things weren't so good. And moving back to where they have mm-hmm. roots. Right. They're but, moving back, building on the same place that their great-grandparents or grandparents bought. So I, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about your um, your South Arts accomplishment. So for, for those that aren't familiar, South Arts is a regional arts organization that supports art, artists and organiza- arts organizations throughout the South. And the state fellowship is um, a really prestigious award that's one person per state each year uh, in our region is is chosen as the state fellow. And there's a cash award and there's an exhibition. Um, So can you tell us about what made you to decide to apply for the South Arts Fellowship and what that process of applying was like? Well, I'm going to tell you, Matt. Uh, the Mississippi Arts Commission called me uh, back in 2017, and I didn't know what group my art fitted in, so I applied uh, for the folk art. And so two people from South Art called me and said, well, you did a good job, but you put it in the wrong category. (laughs) (laughs) So I put it, so they said, you need to put it on the fine arts. Say fine arts doesn't mean that you're doing oil and stuff like that. But it doesn't fit on the folk art. To them, folk arts was sort of like a demonstration art. So, so, so I, so I said, okay. <laughs> and then uh, COVID or something came along. I missed one year, and so then I applied uh, in. Uh, uh, it must have been twenty 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 one. Last year, yeah. Yeah, last year. And I was getting ready to go to uh, uh, Pink Palace. And this guy called me and said, are you Gloria Gibson Suggs? And I said, yes, yes, sir. Uh, didn't you apply for uh, South Arts uh, Fellow for 2022? I said, yes, sir. And he said, well, you didn't get my uh, email. <laughs> <laughs> so... So I say, no, it hasn't shown up because I was looking for everything to be on the South Arts. So he said, well, look on the scale. I mean, spell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I looked down 10 through all of the stuff there down to number 10 and saw his name. 
And so he say, okay, you open it up while I'm on the phone because whatever's in there, you got to get for me next, uh, tomorrow, oh, which wow. was the 13th of May. And I'm going to tell you the truth. I still didn't know that I had won because he wasn't going to say anything until my application showing residency of Mississippi for so many years. So my daughter got home and she pulled up everything she could show and uh, got it to him. And then so many days afterward, they called me and told me, you have won for Mississippi for 2022 uh, uh, for your excellence in art. And I'm going to tell you the truth. I have plenty of awards for education and art, mm-hmm. but I think this is the best one. I, I mean, not the best one, but a big one for me because it's showing that my state appreciate my work. Yeah, yeah. Because my work is about Mississippi. It's very rooted in place and, and history. And, and I appreciate that, and I was just overjoyed. I can't hardly wait to get my certificate. He said that they are going to make up a certificate and uh, send out to us. Well, congratulations again. Well, thank you so much. It's a huge achievement. And um, tell us about meeting the other South Arts Fellows and uh, what right, that was like. Right. Uh, different types, different styles, different media. It was just so exciting. Uh, we had a two-day gathering up there, and it's just like all of us knew each other. We were just kindred spirits, different generations. I think I was the oldest one up there, <laughs> but I really enjoyed the camaraderie and hearing their stories about their art and what inspired them to do it. Beautiful work. And it's fascinating, the different mediums that people are working right. in and the variety of mm-hmm. of artists in our region. It's really inspiring. Oh, it's just beautiful. And so we want to inspire other people to come aboard and show show their talent. We have a lot of talent around that's still hidden and maybe they need something to boost them out to get get their work going, and that's that's what South Art's about. They give grants. Uh, uh, you know, you may think your work is not that good, but present it. Doesn't hurt to try. It doesn't hurt to try. What's the reaction been like in Chulahoma and Holly Springs oh and close goodness. to home? Have people oh been celebrating goodness. you? Oh, my goodness, just exciting. I can walk places. People used to didn't know me, you know. Because most of them knew me because I was doing other stuff. But now it's just a smile on their face. And in that way, mm-hmm. it just say, great job and we appreciate you. And I was telling somebody, that appreciation to me, now I don't mean that I don't want money. Now don't get me wrong, I don't mean I don't want a check. But just the appreciation and the feedback from people uh, receiving my work the way I thought it never would be received is a pay for me. Well, and that's that's so rewarding to mm-hmm. see, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Something I didn't even know I would get paid for, mm-hmm. never less appreciated for. And before we, we started this interview, you were telling me a little bit about um, appearing on 
some news broadcasts talking about starting an art career later in life and the impact that that's had on on other folks as well. Uh, right. I don't know exactly which way they're going to go with it, but uh, uh, I have several other groups that, that's going to be inviting me on uh, to talk about uh, the things that I've gone through to get to where I am. And uh, because of so much stuff going on before this award took place, I have been I have not been notified of when I will be on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm going to uh, try to inspire yeah. other artists to to show what they have. And it's good because out of the group that, that we participated in for 2022, it was 600 people. Oh, wow. 600 people applied. Very competitive. Very competitive. And the judges, the seven judges that selected us, come from other states. They don't come from the nine states that that's in uh, South Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Can you, um, are you working on some new projects now or new work that you can tell us about? Well, I have been asked to do another book that a group want to nominate me for an award. And they say they can't take Peace Away Crossroad because it was done before 2021. Okay. So I'm going to approach that one with carrot one. I mean, a, a couple from Peace Away Crossroads, but I'm going to do it as a novel, and take their their lives from their childhood when they met, all the way, you know, having their children, and and all the way to their death. And like that, I'm going to have to do it in a novel because, mm-hmm. see, the first one was the short stories, uh, Windblown Memories. The second one was uh, Reflections in Black and White with Shades of Red, Yellow, and Brown was mostly poetry. And then this one, which is a combination of color, uh, I mean pictures and and writing. So I'm going to have to take this one as a novel, but I'm still going to keep it under preservation because I'm going to deal with with uh, how they survived during those periods. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to talk basically about a couple and, and their extended friends and family. Do you have to—will you be doing research as well? Because it seems like, you know, you, you pull in so much history. Well, uh— it's really no no research I can do. Most of the people, if you didn't hear it when I heard it, they are no longer here. Uh, the courthouse in Holly Springs burned down. Uh, don't ask me the year, but it was way back, either in the 20s or 30s. So you really don't have anything to go from. And I didn't know that about Marsha County hmm. until I was at a, a a history program in Holly Springs, and a guy had researched it and found and found that. So most of this is coming from folklore uh, stuff that I heard or stuff that was told storytelling. Yeah. Oh, oral. Oral storytelling uh, passed down. Right. Um, well, is there anything else that you want to mention? about your art or, or things that you're working on before we, we close up for today? Well, I think the novel will be the last thing. Now, of course, I'll be making several 
appearances and things, different places and doing different shows. And I want to thank Mississippi Arts uh, Commission for keeping me informed and supporting me throughout these years on my journey. Well, thank you so much, Gloria Gibson-Suggs. It's been a pleasure talking with with you today. And thank you for listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour. Thanks for listening to this MPB Think Radio podcast. MPB depends on support from listeners. So if you can, please contribute today at mpbonline.org. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit and Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app.